Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz. It's great to be back with you guys. This is a Building 28 Church podcast where we confront the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christian culture with conviction, compassion, and courage. I'm back as your host, Peter Tragos, and with me as always, who never misses a show for any reason. I wonder why that is. Never. (laughs) Pastor Aaron Curran. Glad to have you. Well, I set my alarm clock. With some other uh, pastors here notifications with us today. on my wow. phone. <laughs> um, yeah, we do have some friends back on out of Oz, but before we get to them, let me set this up for us because we've had a lot of questions around this topic come in, questions related to instruction, discipline, and really kind of based out of, at least from what I perceive, fear from parents of little children, of teenagers, or even of now grown children who say, I either ruin my kid or I'm afraid I'm going to wreck my kid. And so here's the idea today in a culture all around us, both inside the church and outside the church, that is vying for the attention of parents. So many demands on our time and our attention, and it's demanding for the affection of their children, that that children align themselves to the culture around us, where so many parents believe or fear that they might, in fact, be ruining their children for one reason or another. The question that comes to us is how should godly parents engage with, train, mentor, disciple their children? Without ruining them. Without ruining them. Okay. And while obviously we can state from the outset, while trusting in the Lord that there's no perfect parent out there, that perhaps there's not even a perfect parenting strategy um, outside of the principles we find in scripture, we want to try to, as pastors today, and an attorney answer the question of, am I ruining my kids? So joining us on the podcast, we got Boogie back in the house again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, switching it up now. Big big promotion recently. Assistant pastor of education and students. Glad he still finds time for us. He still finds time for us, which is important, I think. And and Deshaun, that's Deshaun Cousins. That's Boogie, by the way. Um, Mm -hmm. And Boogie has been a parent for three years now. Three years. Baby girl. Beautiful, Uh beautiful little girl. He works heavily with teenagers, even before mm-hmm. he came here to Building 28, worked with youth, and so has hopefully, I think, much to say about raising toddlers from his own experience, but also from ministry experience, working with and advice to parents of teenagers. We also have here on the podcast, the vicar, the Jaguars fan, the pastor of Lakeview Church. That's us. Yeah. That's me. Pastor Tim Miller. I feel like you just called me in here just because you know how many kids I have. Like he's got five kids. I thought it was 17. It's it's close to that. You did miss something though, because we don't have anybody here who's raised kids and now have adult children. So I feel like we Mm. should have had at least... So maybe someone else is crying crying the entire episode. So (laughs) uh, what are the ages of your kiddos? Uh, They are 12 all the way down to four. So I've got five. Okay, So right on the cusp of the teenage years. She is there. She is there. Tim has also... Uh, if you've listened to our podcast, you know this worked extensively with youth for the better part of a decade or more yeah, in yeah. ministry. With that haircut, it's obvious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, of course, Pete has a couple of kiddos of his own, has served in different capacities in the church, working with kids and teens. And then myself, um, we don't talk about it often on the podcast, at least. I do my sermons, but I have three children, ages seven, almost five, and almost three. 
And so I'm in the throes of that with young kids, but have also for the last 20 years spent a ton of time in youth ministry, have counseled and met with parents who have who have grown children now, have seen how, which always have seen how our parents raised us mm-hmm. and mistakes yeah. that they made, and as well as kind of triumphs that they succeeded in, in discipling and instructing us. And so it's a frequently mentioned and talked about topic, and it's something that I'm looking forward to kind of getting into today. So I think the best way to start the conversation is to start broad and get narrow, right? So yeah. as yeah. an overarching theme as a parent and as pastors for you guys, what do you think are kind of the most important things you should be concerned with as a parent when you're looking at how you're going to parent your children? What is what is at the forethought or the forefront of your mind as you think about parenting as a whole? I'll start off. The thing that comes to my mind first and foremost is Christ. And so if I prioritize Christ, my own self, then my desire for my daughters to come to know him. And so as I'm parenting her, I'm thinking through what should we put her into as far as extracurricular activities, the schools that we're going to have her in, my main priority for her is shepherding her heart. Because I want, and obviously we can't save our children, and that's a a big thing I know that weighs upon us at times, their salvation, knowing ultimately it's the Lord, but there's things that I can do as a parent to display to her of the value of Christ, the desire for her to pursue Christ, and setting a model of what does it look like for a godly man, and especially the way that I care for her mother, and setting that example. So my main priority with my daughter is for her to come to know the Lord. I'm I'm with you 100% on that. I'm after the the heart of my children, not not just behavior modification, yep. not just good moral citizens. I, I I want their heart to be I know and love Jesus and I want to serve him. And that's that's my prayer for them every night that is the overarching theme of our parenting, my wife and I is we we want our kids to know, to grow and to love Christ without a doubt. I mean, obviously, I would affirm everything you guys are saying in that uh, I think for me, when I approach this and kind of look through it through the lens of creating the, the outline, and I, and I ask myself, what am I most concerned about uh, for myself and for other Christian parents? It's influence, mm-hmm. both positive and negative. It, there are so many influences preying upon us. We already talked about in the outset, um, the culture around us vying for our allegiance as parents uh, to line up with how we raise our kids, how we indoctrinate them, and then vying for the attention and affirmation and adoration and affection of our children. And so how are we allowing, like Deshaun said, there's there's no, there's no assurance that our kids are going to grow up to love to know and love Jesus. And there's lots of things at play here, probably most predominant being their own sin nature, Mm -hmm. which is very strong in all of our children. Um, (laughs) Some more than others even. (laughs) But uh, but the the idea of influence, like we talked about this on on a public school podcast. I can't save my children. Right. But I can, by God's grace, shape my children, yeah. um, shape them into, yes, and behavior modification, I would I would agree with Tim, like that's not what we're primarily going for. We want them to be good citizens. We want them to know social cues. Yep. We want them to be moral, upstanding people, mm-hmm. but not as a means of salvation, not, not as that is what it means to be a good Christian. We want them to know why Jesus deserves our affection and our adoration. Mm-hmm. We, we want to train them. We want to converse with them regularly. And we want to be... The primary, as a matter of fact, on the previous podcast, Tim mentioned the wisdom pyramid. Yeah. I'll go back there again for you. And that that is that the two biggest influencers of our lives and our children should be the word of God, A, and the church secondarily. Mm-hmm. And that has been flipped today where our peers are a huge influence, 
media is a huge influence. Um, literature, if people read magazines, whatever, huge influence. Blogs, huge influence. Instead of, and so I think that is the biggest thing. If I could push one idea in front of parents today, it would be like, what is shaping and influencing your children the most? Are yeah. you proactive in doing that? Uh, are you proactive in getting your children into the church and engaged with the church to do that? Or is are other means doing that? And this is a high calling. Like we have to go there. This is yeah. a very high yeah. calling placed on us. If you are a parent, this is not something you should take lightly. Um, I, I tell everyone that I know that for me, it's being a husband, being a father and being a pastor in that order. Those are my, those are the three biggest callings on my life, husband, father, and pastor. And it's something that I've been excited about doing since I was 16 years old and, and talking with my current wife about having a big family one day and how mm -hmm. we would one day parent and raise our children. And it's also something that we can easily neglect because there's so many things vying for our kids' attention. Like you said, Aaron, we can just push them off into those things yeah. and we can blink and realize we've missed these formative years. Yeah, That's why I think this is great. We're, we're tackling this. I was going to say, I think it's easy to forget too, just how impressionable our children are, just how much they're taking in yeah. without mm -hmm. us even realizing. I took my three oldest, well, my three only children um, to, <laughs> to SeaWorld. Danielle was at a ladies <laughs> thing with her friends. Uh, and so I took them to SeaWorld. And we're singing the Shamu show and we're watching and they're, the orcas are splashing and flipping about and stuff. And um, they start talking about on the screen, like on the, the big projector there, that the orcas are the the apex predator in the ocean, that nothing rivals them. Mm -hmm. But they mm -hmm. do have one enemy, one animal that hunts them. Mm -hmm. And that is humans. Of course. We're that's terrible. what they said. Yeah. And, and right away, I'm like, if I'm not careful in that, the indoctrination of... We are just like the others, other animals in the animal kingdom can begin to seep into my children. So right. on the way home, me and Spurgeon and Evie start having a conversation mm -hmm. about, hey, we are different. We're made in the image of God. We're yeah. not just animals. We're not just mammals like other mammals are. Right. We're made as image bearers of God. And so I think um, right from the jump kind of instruction on the, on the influencing thing before we get into the rest of the podcast is a couple of things I wrote down was we need to be constantly proactively conversing with our kids about the information they're taking in, yeah. whether it's yeah. at school, whether it's through media, whether it's through shows they're watching, whether it's, you know, to take them to an amusement park. A second thing is finding a solid church to get your kids connected to and plugged into to be instructed in. Third is guarding your heart. Spurgeon famously said, um, train up a child in the way he should go, or she should go, but make sure you go that way yourselves. Man, and good. and if you're not, if, if you're like wanting to shape your kids into something that you're not, you're going to fail yep. almost almost all the time. And, and that's so basically the punchline of the podcast. Yes. I think that's yeah. like the most important thing of the podcast is how you act is so much more important than how you parent your children because that is parenting your Absolutely. children, like yeah. how you act and what, it, yeah. what you do and how you feel. So I think that worrying and concerning mo yourself most with your children's heart, like you said, not necessarily their actions. I think that's a great sentiment. That's a great kind of thought process. But we really like to, on this podcast, get as practical as possible to mm -hmm. get, because a lot of people will be listening and be like, what does that mean? How do I do that? Sure. Right? Like, how do I make sure I'm guarding his heart or mm -hmm. thinking about my child's heart? Right? And I think Aaron gave a lot of really good practical things that we can do, finding a good church, acting that way yourself and doing some self-reflection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think a lot of those are going to be practical. So that's kind of what I want to focus on is for people that have this question, for people that are worried about how they've started to parent their children, or even if it's been quite some time that they've been parenting their children sure. the wrong way, to get into kind of some practical um, things you can do to make sure you're not ruining your child with how you're parenting them one way or the other. What are some habits or behaviors that you should avoid when raising your children in today's culture, in today's day and age, what are some things that you would warn parents against? Stay away from avoid this. 
Yeah. So I'll start off because it's actually touching on something that Aaron was getting at before about the influences that our kids are having. And so recognizing that there really is no neutrality. So they're being poured into by if you're letting them just watch TV shows the whole entire time and it may see like, oh, it's kids, YouTube or kids, whatever. Oh, it's not going to be that bad. But they're being influenced and taught by these different things. And so I would say being intentional with our children and as Aaron was getting at explaining some of this stuff to them. And so as you see things come about their way. And it may be like, oh, it's only a kid's show. But in reality, explain to them, no, that's not actually how we should operate. God doesn't call us to those things and have an intentional instruction. And so I would say is getting away from a passive mindset as a parent, just thinking as long as they're healthy, as long as they're alive, they're fine. And so I'll say having that intentional time with them to instruct them as you see things coming up and going out of your way to make sure to instruct them, whether that's reading good books with them, whether that's sitting down, just playing with them and talking with them through things, but just being intentional and not being passive, I think is a big thing for us as parents. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Be present, be there. If if you're in the room and your kids are in the room, you should be with your kids who are in the room, unless there's obviously something else you've talked about and they're doing something, but you need need to be there with your kids. If they see you on your phone, yeah. The entire time you're in the room with them, guess what they're going to want to do? They're going to want a device too. And I've seen this in my own house. Like we, we, we have been convicted of this in the Miller household as of this past week. And so we've started implementing some very practical things and I've, I've locked down on screen time. So I don't know how old your kids are, but we've implemented screen time rules in our house. There's a start and a stop time. Once their screen time is up, they know to earn more. They have to do certain things. Speaking of getting really practical, you have to, we, before we even let our kids on a screen right now, my wife just started this, they have to read for an hour. So until you complete your one hour of reading a day as from an approved book by mom and dad, you don't even have access to a screen. So that's as my kids are aging and screens are becoming more a part well, of who they are. I think that are. that's a really good practical one. Like we you don't have to do that for your screen time. You don't have to do what any of us do with our kids for screen time. There has to be a limit though. Yeah. Your kids should know there's a limit on screen time because right. they should know the dangers of screen time. And that's right? the other issue. I think that's the point is you have to explain yeah. to them why you can't just sit there and watch TV exactly. all day because to them it's fun. They like it, whatever it may be. And a lot of the, sh- the stuff they watch may not be like evil or like inherently bad, but that's not the point. Like there yeah. are millions of issues with screen time. And I think limiting that is a really good practice. Well, this happened on Sunday because my, my 12-year-old daughter came to me and said, Daddy, I need you to take my phone away because I can't get off of it. So hmm. that's when we did a 48-hour tech block in our house from Sunday to Tuesday. And my kids thanked me yeah. afterwards. Hmm. And that's when we got really serious. And for the last few days, they have been their behavior has been noticeably oh, different. There is a huge like, noticeably difference. Noticeably yeah. different. <laughs> a huge because summer difference. seeps in, right? And suddenly yeah. you have the kids with you at all times. And yes. if you're the parent of kids in school and you're not used to that, it it can become overwhelming. So, I mean, every mission trip that we have gone on as a church, we pretty much either completely remove the phone Mm -hmm. from people or allow them a couple of moments. It used to be where they didn't have their phone for an entire week. Yeah. And and as we started bringing parents, they were freaking out, you know, because not (laughs) being able to talk to their kids. It's not practical anymore. And so we started saying, okay, once a day or twice a day, you can FaceTime in. And then the rest of the time, your phone is gone. Like you you leave it in your room. It's good. And at the end of the week, I mean, at first people are complaining, griping about that. By the end of the week, people are like, man, this is awesome. Like this is, because we just don't understand how much it's, it's, washing our brains, how much it is distracting us from mission, how much it's distracting us from being present from the people we're with. Sure. Um, so the, I, I, I think there's much to be said about that. And in conjunction with that social media use, which we talked about a lot guys, on the Do you podcast. let your 12 year old, do they use social media? No. Yeah. I'm going to like, that's like, going to be like the biggest that. battle of my life. I think <laughs> yeah. for yeah. as long as, as humanly we're, possible. We're we going to hold off Maybe until college, I can't hold off. Like 18 years old mm-hmm. when they go to college. Agreed. That's like my goal. Yeah. I don't know what you guys think about that, but like, 
I know my daughter's going to want to my eight-year-old. I'm <laughs> very, very traditional when it comes to raising my yeah. kids. Very conservative. So weird with how you talk about your upbringing <laughs> and your parents. I can't wait to get Spurgeon on the podcast yeah. 20 years from hey, now. Wow. I'm sure, wow. He has to say hey, about I'm sure that'll be great. That'll Ouch. be a great follow-up. You can play this podcast right before <laughs> and see how I ruined my child. But um, for me, and we're going to get to this when we, I think in a second, when we talk about habits that we should implement to raising our kids in a healthy way. But we, I try to talk all the time to my kids about why, even now at their age, like why we're doing things instead of just what. Uh, we mentioned Simon Sinek on a previous podcast, mm -hmm. and he has a book called Start With Why, and it was very instrumental in shaping me with a lot of things in ministry and in life. And I just don't think we do that enough with our children. And so I try to do it all the time. My kids ask me a question. Yeah. I try to explain why to them so that when they get to be 11, 12, 13, 14, and they're like, why can't I have social media? It's just, it's not just you can't have it. This is what I said, right. but it's, we can hopefully yep. walk through with them why it's so destructive. And I think we're going to continue over the next five years to see how destructive it can and be. And there's age appropriate ways to do this. And we forget this as parents, that as our kids get older, they're going to get exposed to more in the world. And, yeah. and we should be explaining things at an age appropriate level where my 12 year old daughter now knows that one of the reasons she does not have an Instagram is because she will probably get DM'd pictures of guys junk. She knows yeah. that. Yeah. And she's told me, Daddy, this is kind of why I don't want one now, because it's so prevalent. Like we, we walked yeah. her through the uh, the study that was done by by a, a young mom who pretended to be a, a young lady. Yeah. And, and it was devastating. So I, I we in an age appropriate way, walked Emily through that. And she was in tears knowing that this is what's out there, not to scare her into it, but just yeah. knowing the realities yeah. of it at an age appropriate level. No, I think that's a, I think that's really, really good practical advice of sitting down with our kids when they start to get to that age of right. when, when it comes to social yep. media. Because just once again, we've just bought the cultural norms when it comes to dating, when it comes Absolutely. to social media use, when it comes to raising our kids. And it's like, well, of course they have to date. Of course they have to have social media. Of course they have to do these things because that's just what the world tells us. Why? We become acclimated yeah. to it instead of answering the question why. And so actually on that of answering that question of why, even when it comes to our disciplining. So- me and Bree, we got through this whole entire thing. We talked through a lot of how we were raised and mm. both of us grew up in more Caribbean households. And so you are seen, not heard as a child. You're put in your place. We don't have to have a reason of why you're getting spanked. It's just because I said so because I'm the parent. And so we've realized how destructive that thought process can be because as a child, though, yes, you should be submissive unto your parents. The child does not belong to us ultimately. It still is unto the Lord. And so recognizing that our children are a gift from the Lord, we should treat them as such. And so even in our disciplining of explaining to them why, they may not always get it. Even with Eden, when she was about one and a half, two years old, and I have to tell her, no, I would even sit there and walk through some of this stuff with her. And people may say, what's the point? She doesn't understand. But I wanted to begin a practice with her of, yeah. I'm explaining to you why. You're going to still get this discipline. I'm explaining to you why. And then after even disciplining or spanking her when I needed to, I would embrace her still of letting her know that though daddy's disciplining you, it doesn't mean that I don't love you. And that's something that parents can do out of our anger and frustration with our kids. We can push them to the side or push them away. And we're displaying this sense of um, not only am I mad at you for doing this, I'm also going to take it on you by punishing you through silent treatment or all the different things that we can do as parents. And so I think that's another area that we have to be careful in is being mindful that our authority is only because it's God given, not just complete autonomy to do whatever we want with our kids. So I wanted to bring up a few of these other habits that we should get rid of, I think. I'd love to know your thoughts on them. Mm -hmm. um, Jordan Peterson has a brilliant book called 12 Rules for Life. Um, just came out with Beyond Order, his second book. And in one of his 12 Rules for Life is do not let your kids do anything that makes you dislike them. 
Mm. That's one of the rules. Like, don't let them do that. Like, it's going to be miserable for other people. It's going to be miserable for you. Why do you let them persist in this behavior? And I think that's good. You know, even though he wasn't a believer when he wrote the book, like, I think that's just good sage advice. It takes a lot of biblical principles into play. In conjunction with that, it's the idea of for parents, don't don't let it get pressed to a point of allowing anger and frustration to boil over with your children. Yeah, right? Right. Danielle and I talk about this a lot. It's, it's like, don't don't let it get there. Just discipline and correct right away. If they're disobeying, if they're being rebellious, like instructing that, discipline, correct, affirm um, that you love them and move on from that instead of Letting it persist, letting it persist, mm-hmm. letting it persist. Don't don't use the number system. I'm mm-hmm. gonna start counting backwards from three, and when I no. get to one, actually, you're just teaching delayed obedience in yeah. that situation. Like, and so one one of the big things for guys and for ladies, don't belittle or disrespect your spouse in front of your kids. It's teaching mm-hmm. them. It's big. It's teaching them to do the same thing. Like, you wonder why your child is disrespectful to their mom when they hear you being disrespectful to your wife. Like, just yeah. don't do that. And then I also put assuming that you know your that your kids know you love them. Like, and you mentioned that to Sean. Yeah. Like, don't, don't assume like my personality type, according to all the tests and everything is that, uh, that I make assumptions about things. I, I assume that, that people in my life and especially my kids know that I love them. And so um, that, that self-awareness has driven me to, to state that more consistently. Yeah. I don't know if parents state it enough. I know there's two types of parents typically, or at least it seems there's one that is like buddy, buddy with their kids and maybe they have stated too much, but they don't discipline enough. Right. And there's other, they're strict disciplinarian and they don't state affirmation enough. I think there needs to be a healthy rhythm established yeah. with those two things. Yeah. One thing I always think, and that I struggled with, especially early on was I, I do think corrective behavior and working on their behavior is really important. I obviously agree that the heart issue is more important, but I think right. that that is part of it. And the best way to do that to where it still reaches deeper than just behavioral is, in my opinion, to instruct in ways that is what they should be doing versus don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Mm-hmm. Like you can say the same way in reverse of just about everything. Like right. don't be mean to your brother or you really need to be nice to your brother. Like that's your family. God gave you him. You know, he's going to be your best friend for your whole life. The, just the way that you instruct and correct, I think can be really important in how they look at it as opposed to getting annoyed or thinking about all these don'ts, it's more of a what to do. Um, And I think that as we talk about a lot of what not to implement and what to avoid and habits to avoid, there's also a lot of, I think, appropriate habits that we should try to implement with our kids. So is there anything specifically you've used that has worked kind of when you implement it with your kids and you feel like it's better than what we're trying to avoid here with screen time, with social media? Like, what do you do instead? What do you kind of use as, as far as um, engagement and being present and working with them and working on them and instructing them. Aaron, you've already talked about first time obedience, delayed obedience is disobedience in our house. Yeah. So it is first time obedience or it is disobedience. Uh, you hit on the threatening, repeating parent. Uh, don't do that. Uh, don't threaten, don't repeat, don't threaten, don't repeat, right? Yeah. You say something, you do something. It has to be immediate. Otherwise they know you're just, it's just an empty threat. Yeah. That's for sure true. Like right. that happens all the time. Yeah. If you, if you do that, that's how it's going to go. That's, that's what the counting system does. Like yeah. it, it delays. Or even the multiple threats like, all right, now you better do it. It's like, well, you, before when you said that, there was no consequences. So Aaron, I got my first one about the critical thinking, but the other one is it's having times of family worship. And mm-hmm. so that'll look different in each family, how it goes. But one of the things that we do with Eden, um, we'll do a Bible story and her, she'll pray. And then we'll pray with her and helping to instruct her in that. 
And at first I'm like, all right, she's going to enjoy it to some degree. And sometimes she'll have a hard time with it, but it got to a point where she looks forward. She's like, daddy, we're going to read tonight. And so just seeing how doing something as simple of reading a Bible story with my daughter and me and my wife doing it together and then praying with her each night. And so you'll see things that she's thinking about that we don't even realize. So she will start praying for particular of her friends. She'll pray for her teacher, like all these little things that you would think are just going in one ear and out the next. She's actually paying attention to. And so something as simply as just having actual family worship together mm-hmm. helps to cultivate that in them. And then it also demonstrates to our kids that our, we do prioritize Jesus, not just going to church on Sunday only. Um, yeah, and so it's I think actually a part of our actual household. That's so such a cool, like something that I've learned that I would have never thought about before it happened. But when you pray every night together before yeah. they go to bed, right? Everybody or a lot of parents have heard that and try to implement that. But it's such a cool time too to teach them how to pray. Absolutely. Like I don't feel like I was taught how to pray. Similarly, it was all like, help me to do this, mm-hmm. help me to get that. Please heal my grandma, you know, whatever. That was basically how I prayed. But you can actually teach them how to pray, how to glorify God, how to pray for other people, not just yourselves, how to not just have a prayer full of asking. And that really connects and you can literally see it every night. Well, the best way to teach your kids how to pray is to pray for your kids and with your kids. Right. I don't know if there's a better way to teach your kids how to do something than to be doing that something with It's really awesome to, to, to see like not just spiritual disciplines being done, but being done biblically, which I think is something that has kind of been lost over watered down Christianity over the years. I take it a step further and say, your kids should see you praying with your spouse. Like they should know that that is a thing mommy and daddy do together. Not just kiss, which, you know, my wife and I do that on purpose because I want them to know mommy and daddy kiss a lot. (laughs) And like they know that it's a running joke in our house, but they also, I also want to know that mommy and daddy pray together and kiss because we do. And you should. Sometimes at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Um, So, uh, I've already talked about explaining why it's just, it's so much easier to say because it's right or because I said so yeah. than to explain why it's right. Right. To explain why we go to church, why we read the Bible, why we believe in Jesus, like why we don't do dating or social media. If, if you choose that, like why, why these things um, also saturation, like mm-hmm. I say this all the time, saturation of the gospel and the truth. Um, if, if there's a, if there's a, a friend who starts bringing a friend to church and they're like, hey, I'm really praying for their salvation. I'm like, keep praying for that. Keep instructing them, but also get them around the good gospel center teaching as much as possible. Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. like just that saturation begins to cultivate. Uh, it's, it's a miraculous spirit work. All the like point of sale things say you have to touch somebody seven times, seven different ways. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, you know, like think about that. But if yep. you pray for somebody and talk to them once about it, it's like. Well, why not just continue putting it in front of them and continue the saturation like you're saying and have it be all over and it'll be like a sign. And some practical, some practical things with that, with the saturation is yes, the Bible and yes, specific books about Jesus and and the church, but also books and movies that aren't specifically about Jesus. We've talked about Harry Potter on previous podcasts, whether it's Harry Potter, Narnia, whatever it might be, whatever it might be, every, almost every story has a redemptive arc being proactive and talking with their children about that redemptive arc and how this points in a broken way to an unbroken, you know, glorious conquering savior, like having those conversations, those, those have been some of the most enlightening Mm -hmm. and entrancing conversations for my kids where we can take almost anything that they are into that they're enjoying at the moment. Right. And we can, instruct them in the gospel with that. Also, there is a huge, even before COVID, but since COVID especially, there is a huge deprioritization of church today. 
where parents want to do sports leagues and want to have their kids in dance and want to have their kids something popular or want to take off on the weekends. And if your kids don't grow up around the church and valuing the church, it's really hard to imagine that when they become teenagers and adults, that they are going to prioritize the church and be a part of the church and plugged into the church. And so that gospel saturation is important. And one other thing I would say along that is, I think one of the things we've seen that's really powerful in our family is confession of our sins to our kids. Like when we get angry mm-hmm. with them, when we blow uh-huh. it, when I do get in an argument with Daniel, to go back to my kids, to apologize to my wife in front of them, to go back to my kids and be like, daddy was wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. that's, that's huge. Like, there's just like this this vain arrogance in us at times of like, I can't admit that fault, especially to people that I think that, that makes them see so much that they're not unsavable yeah. too. Like to a, to a much sense. larger extent, it's like, Oh, wait, even my dad admitted that he, because one of the things I have in here is how you live is really important. Like we talked about in the beginning. And when you have a short temper and are impatient, which is issues that I have, like it's, I see it in my kids. Like it's yeah, so yeah. obvious that they, they are mimicking me with how they act towards each other. So when I apologize for that, when that happens, I think it makes them understand, like, even though I was wrong, meaning them. Like, it's okay. Like, dad will forgive it's me. Not too late. He understands it's not what too it's late like. to apologize. Right. I have come back yeah. at the end of the day right. and told my son, hey, I know this morning I raised my voice at you. That was that was because daddy had something going on in his own heart. And I'm sorry, I should not have raised my voice or taken that tone. Even you. if you were wrong exactly. and you deserve to get in trouble, I still shouldn't have yelled. Like, that's what happens a lot of times. Because my kids are acting horribly. And so I get loud and it's justified for me to correct them. But the way that I did it, I'd be like, I'm really sorry for yelling. Yeah. You know, I shouldn't have yelled. You're still in trouble, but I shouldn't have yelled. So I'm apologizing for that, blah, blah. And they'll be like, well, what's your punishment, dad? <laughs> but, but seriously, like, I think that's really yeah. important. And that's something that I think was sure. definitely lost a generation. And anybody listening to the podcast or watching right now, I, I hope you understand that none of us are setting ourselves up as if we perfectly do all these no, things all the no, time no. at as all. As you can tell, Fail. we're, we're talking about my confession. <laughs> yeah. I don't even perfectly confess, though. There are moments yeah. where I sin against my kids or against my wife, and I don't, uh, my pride wants me to hold on to that oh, and for not sure. confess. So anybody listening, like, these are things that we're learning yeah. that we're trying to progress in. Um, we were at a conference two years ago and Ray Ortland, uh, who is a pastor from Nashville, who's a writer, brilliant guy. He and his wife did mm-hmm. a little parenting workshop and it was super productive. And one of the things they said that stuck out, and I think it was his wife who said it actually, but she said, um, one of the, one of the philosophies we implemented. You sound so surprised. By I that. was just going to say, what, his wife said something? No, I mean, she's, wow. brilliant. she's brilliant too, but I a mean, lot of the credit goes to Ray on these things. But I, I think, I think her name is Janie. Um, but anyway, she said, we tried to implement saying yes as often as possible, which I've yep. talked about yeah. at times, mm. but we just found ourselves, with we found ourselves with yeah. little kids saying no yeah. constantly. Yep. It's just yep. the popular, easy thing. No, no, no. Yep. And they're like, you know, what if, what if praying with them one more time before bed or reading one more book? Mm-hmm. And like, it's hard because you're like, oh yeah, you know, I'll read one more book. And that turns into like 12 more books. And it's like, you have to say no at some point, because it's time for them to go to sleep. But just saying, I mean, like Spurgeon will come in at night and I'll be watching the Braves game and he'll be like, Dad, can I watch the Braves game with you? And it's. 915. And I'm kind of like, uh, there's this warm on my mind because it's easy to be like, no, go back to bed. Yeah. But it's my seven year old and I can cut up on the couch and spend some time hanging out, watching baseball, explaining mm-hmm. baseball to him. Yeah. And once again, even talking about how something like baseball can point us to like what Christ has done. Like yeah. you, you find this in almost anything that we can view and see in life. And so trying to say yes to them as much as, but can we jump in the pool? No, 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 no. Cause I don't want to deal with like wet clothes and wet kids mm-hmm. and Instead of, yeah, you know what? Like, can we go to the pet store? Like try, trying to say yes. Well, hold on. I think we possible. should just pause for a second. I agree with that. Sure. But like the the title of the podcast is Am I Ruining My Kids? 
you're not ruining your kids if you say no to them, if you can't jump in the pool or if sure. it's nine o'clock and you know they're going to be miserable the next day if they stay up No, 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 definitely. So like, I think it's a balancing act. Try to say yes more. Enjoy your kids. I think that's yes. one of the big yeah. things that that's... I had to, it's like, let's enjoy our kids. They're my favorite people in the world to hang out yeah. with. Like, yeah. enjoy them. Say yes more to, to doing those things. But it's okay if like your kids have to go to bed at 9.15 because they're going to be miserable and they wake up at 5 a.m. the next morning. Whatever it is. Like, so I don't want to like guilt people into thinking they're destroying their kids yeah. or ruining their kids as the title of the episode because- they're saying no to jumping in the pool fully clothed or, you know, not eating their dinner, just eating ice cream. Like once in a while, okay, yeah, that's there, cool. So but there's extremes, I get obviously. What, you mean, yeah. but I'm just, I what, just what I'm trying to say listening. is it's doing the easy thing is rarely going to benefit our kids the most. Like right. like doing the easy thing. And the easy thing is just saying no. To yeah, or putting everything. in front of a TV and so, so you and your wife yes. can talk and have quiet so time. So if they're coming and going, can I, have, can I have two more hours of screen time? Of course, the answer is going to be most of the time, no. Right. Like, so there's certain things we have to say no to for their betterment. But there's also times where we could say yes and we don't because we're not being as proactive or intentional or we're just kind of being lazy. Like, at least that's yeah. for me. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I'm saying. When, when, yeah. when the opportunity presents itself, and it's actually could be a beneficial thing or an enjoyable thing saying yes instead of just easily copying out with no is what I'm getting And I think at. your other answer as to why is important. Why are you saying no? Yeah. Right? Because if you're yeah. saying no because you're lazy, then you should probably say yes more, right? Yeah, because when it comes to parenting, it reveals a lot of things with our own heart. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the reasons, we have different reasons why we either get angry, yeah. frustration, or that a lot of that no saying, um, or even sometimes why people go too far and say yes all the time. It's because it reveals a lot in our hearts and our parenting styles. And so I think that's one of the things that we can recognize is sometimes we have to repent of our own, whether it's selfishness or is a desire always for our own comfort, to be left alone, all those different things that will come into that play that our kids will challenge us in because they're going to be demanding at different times and they're going to have maybe a lot more energy than you do. So just that how parenting reveals our own hearts too. Something Jeff reminded me of uh, via text message. And it's actually a huge principle in our house between both my wife and I, it, which is so funny because a lot of what we said has been growing kids 101. Like this is yeah. like the basics of growing kids from the reverse funnel to the moral, explaining the moral reason why to the heart of the child. And then when you get super practical, one thing that made a, a world of difference for my wife and I was learning how to match the excitement level of our kids. So if our kids are very excited and passionate about a something, I reciprocate. Mm -hmm. yeah. I return with the same, if not more excitement. And usually I exaggerate and my kids love it. They think it's hilarious. They think it's fun. My 12-year-old, and I can give you like a, a wide variety here because I've got 12, 10, 8, 6, and 4 years old in my house right now. So my 12-year-old has recently you don't have. <laughs> recently <laughs> just fallen in love with Olivia Rodrigo and Rodrigo. And she's hilarious. She's incredibly talented. I don't know if you watched Bizarre Bark on the Disney Channel. And so you kind of watched her grow up and now she's come out of her shell, right? I don't know if you've listened to the latest Olivia Rodrigo album. My my daughter has the clean version, but I've let her hear the explicit. And we've talked through some of those words, what those words mean, why we don't use those words. And so I've started doing some Olivia research because I know how passionate my daughter is. So yeah. we've had we have these conversations about Olivia and they turn into really funny things. Or last night, my before bed, my four year old wanted ice cream and it was play ice cream and she wanted to serve me her play ice cream. Yeah. And I was tired. Um, I just watched the lightning win the cup and I was ready for bed after the extreme excitement, but she came down thrilled because the lightning game was over and she could give daddy ice cream. So I put on the big smile and laughed all the way upstairs with her on my back and let her serve Dang, that's me. like 1030. What time are your kids to a bed, bro? <laughs> uh, last night was midnight. <laughs> yeah. So summertime, yeah. summertime, uh, we, we kind of throw bedtimes out the window. It's one of those say yeah. yes moments where it's summer. I'm like, yep, you're yeah. right. So it's, it's, it, cool. it can cause havoc, but the point is matching the excitement level because what happens is, and this comes back to our own laziness, we don't want to do this. It's daddy, you're never going to believe this. 
Oh, that's that's cool. That's really funny. Like, no, smile, nod, yeah. laugh, yeah. engage. Yeah. Get the ice cream, the play ice cream. I think one of the important questions a lot of people have with are they ruining their children comes comes and surrounds discipline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we talked a lot about, you know, what to do, say yes more often, but Aaron also warned against being the buddy of your child. Mm-hmm. Um, so discipline's important. We all do it. It may look differently. I don't know the answers to at least half the table. So how, and and really, I don't know if I've seen Aaron discipline his kids as much as I've seen Danielle. Um, so she I know is how, a stricter parent. I know how they do it in their household. <laughs> but so like, what what are your thoughts around discipline? I think we all think it's important. What does it look like? What do you think is mandated? What do you think is permissive? How do you guys as pastors feel about discipline? We discipline in private, not in public. So we will tell our kids uh, that action is going to have a, it's going to cause a conversation. So we we tell our kids when we get home or when we get to a place where we're not surrounded by a bunch of people, we will be talking about this and we will be, dis- not not to get too much into the specifics of how we discipline, but I've found it very beneficial for them to know that I'm not going to shame you or embarrass you in public because that never seems to, to solve the yeah, issue at hand. Yeah. Like it never works. And then it just causes a scene or some commotion, but they do know and mommy and daddy, you can't forget. Otherwise, then like, what's the point? That this yeah. has to be something that it's discussed at the appropriate time and place. Yeah. I'll let you guys go, but I've got a whole lot more in here. No, I was just going to say discipline is going to morph um, over time. I so agree. as a younger, it may be more physical. So maybe taking away or giving pop. We say pop out for spanking for, um, with Eden, but it'll morph. Like- and then as she grows <laughs> older, then it'll be more of correction in other kind of ways. But what you're getting at too is a big thing for us is not shaming her and not embarrassing herself. Like, family's over and she does something wrong. So me and her will go, we'll sit down in the room while I'll explain it to her. Mm-hmm. She'll get papa. We'll talk through it and stuff like that. But it's never for the purpose of shaming her, trying to embarrass her in front of people. Because one of the things that can happen is you're around others and your kid starts to act up and you get embarrassed. And so then that turns into frustration and anger. Mm-hmm. And so then you lash out trying mm-hmm. to almost appeasing everyone else to say, hey, I do have my kids in check or yeah. they're really not that bad. And I, I am a good parent. And so that's one of those things we have to fight against is trying to appease others. But rather, if it truly is about correcting and guarding and shaping their heart, then doing it in such a way that's actually going to be beneficial for them. I would recommend, I'll kind of plug, Tim has mentioned growing kids, but probably the best book I've read, and I've read several parenting books, um, is Shepherding a Child's Heart, still by Ted Tripp. Yep. Um, it was just, it was really, really good practical and theological advice um, for parents. And so if you can pick that up and read it, it's great. I mean, Paul Tripp has a great one on parenting as well. Has he a little does. rocking horse in the front. That's it's great really as good. well. It's phenomenal. But And they're brothers, and you can tell by the stash. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, to bring in scripture here, and something that both the Tripp brothers do well. Um, Proverbs routinely instructs parents to discipline their children. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, so it's it's disobedience to refuse to, to discipline. Now, once again, that might take various forms, and I agree with you, Deshaun, especially based on the age, but in Proverbs chapter 23, uh, we hear, do not withhold discipline from a child. It goes on to say very unpopular in our day, if you strike him with a rod, he will not die. Like it, it, so, there's there's physical discipline that comes there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also uh, in Proverbs thirteen twenty four, it says, if, "Whoever loves their child will discipline them." So there there needs to be instruction. So for the yeah. parent out there who's like, "We just don't discipline our child; we let them do that." Biblically, if we submit ourselves to biblical standards, like we do, we should discipline. Um, what, what we do in our home is we obviously converse them about why they're receiving a discipline or whatever, but we establish offenses worthy of certain discipline, at least in ours. Um, We say to them, like disobedience will receive that lying 
will receive that mm-hmm. violence, hitting, pushing, biting, will receive discipline. We don't discipline for something that our children do in ignorance. Or accidentally. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so if they do something that's wrong, we'll instruct them about that, why they shouldn't do that, forbid it's doing it again. Now, if they do it again, it's disobedience. So there's, there's discipline for that. But um, so that's one of the things that we really try to be proactive with is have we told them not to do this? Have we warned them about this? This morning I came downstairs and it was hot in the house. And I look at my kids. They're all sitting in the breakfast bar and they're eating their cereal. And I'm like, did somebody touch? And I noticed on the stairway, the, the AC had been turned to heat. <laughs> and I was like, did, did someone touch the heater? And, and Actually, he, now that he, would be, I would need a moment by myself <laughs> yeah, yeah. in my house because I would be so mad. Yeah. So Evie was like, no, daddy, I promise I didn't, which doesn't mean a whole lot. <laughs> sometimes. And I look at Augustine, who's almost three, and he literally just, his lip protrudes and he just puts his head down. And I go, so I pick him up because no. I've never, I've never told him not to touch it. I've told Evie and Spurgeon and I take him around the corner. And I say, see this, this is the AC. Well, you don't touch this. Do you understand? Yes, daddy. If you touch it again, you're going to get disciplined. Okay. Yes, daddy. I love you. Put him back down. He eats his breakfast because he doesn't know. And right. that, yeah. now he knows better to not do that. And yeah. so that's, that's how we've kind of approached it is sure. he's not even going to get disciplined for doing something that he shouldn't have done that he didn't know he shouldn't have done. But now you give them that instruction. Now it becomes disobedience if they do that or lying if they try to cover it up. Mm-hmm. Those are the things we try to establish with them. And then, Deshaun, you mentioned this, but we always like take time, or at least I try to always take time for when I discipline my kids. It's not just right. reckless or out of anger. I'm always mm-hmm. telling Danielle, I'm like, because they frustrate her. She's home all day with them. She's a stay-at-home mom. And I'm like, I'm like, just calmly, if they disobey, calmly discipline them and tell them, I love you. And I know that's easier for me to say to her. Well, and it's then way I don't do easier it. said than done, period. But, but that yeah. is how we need but to But I do try it. to calmly sit down with them and be like, Spurgeon, Evie, Augustine, do you know how much I hate doing this? Like, I'll tell them that. I'm like, I hate giving you discipline. Like, I would rather not give you discipline. Mm-hmm. But there has to be instruction to that. We also implemented a couple of years ago, Grace, where we will say, you deserve a discipline. I even spanked myself one day to try to symbolize substitutionary atonement a little bit. Wish but, I could have seen that. <laughs> but, uh, but we, uh, we implemented uh, grace so th- and, and wove in gospel conversations into that, that God has given us grace, though we deserve Romans 6.23. And so those are some things that we have tried to, but, but I'll sit down, I'll hug them after discipline. I'll tell them I love them. I tell them I friend them. And then something else I try not to do is allow that to linger on and hold guilt over there. Once right. they've been disciplined, it's, it's forgiven over. now, it's, it's done. done right. And we move on and it's not, later that night, you know, you've been, you've been doing this all day and even, you know, like instead of like kind of guilting and shaming them with that, um, releasing them after that discipline. So yes, discipline firmly, discipline calmly, discipline in love, and then it's done. It's dealt with now and we move on. And we can help set our kids up for success. So something very practical that we try to do and we we forget it's noticeable. We're going out to a restaurant together as a family, um, in the car and it's actually a bus. We have a 12 passenger. Of course. A lot of kids. Uh, I'll say, Millers, remember, you are Millers. And for them, that's family identity. They know as Millers, there are certain behaviors that we aspire to that others do not. So as Millers, there is an appropriate behavior standard that we want to set at a restaurant. Last week, I forgot to do this. And it was a madhouse in the restaurant. We got into the car. I apologized to my kids for their behavior and said, that one was on me. It's been a while. We haven't been out at a restaurant in a while. I should have reminded you the appropriate way we behave at a restaurant. And when I set them up in advance, typically... Things go better. For instance, shouting at your sister mid-dinner at Sonny's Barbecue, not something that you should do as a 10-year-old boy. 
But he's got to be hurt over the rest of us. But he's got to be hurt over the rest <laughs> yeah. of us. And I didn't set him up for that. The other yeah. thing that that we can also do to help set our kids up, and this is a, a growing kid's principle, is a five-minute warning. Hey, guys, in five minutes, we're leaving. Hey, in five minutes, we're, 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 uh, we're leaving the, my wife. the park. You, you yeah. Five-minute warnings. <laughs> um, what's hilarious is when you're at the park, you're in a public setting, and your kids have learned a five-minute warning, and you say five minutes are up and your kids actually come, every parent will stare you down. Because I didn't have to crawl in the slide to get my kids. Because from when they could mm. crawl, they knew the five-minute warning. It was, we're leaving, we're going somewhere, wrap up whatever you're doing. Uh, for my son, if he just started a Fortnite match, it's, hey, buddy, as soon as that match is over, right? I don't want to see you jumping out of the bus again, right? When that match is over, we're, so if they're engaged in an activity, I'm not ripping yeah. it away from them. Yeah. I'm letting them finish whatever that is because I never gave them that heads up. And then we're, we're doing something else or we're going somewhere else. So super yeah. practical. So the most important probably part of the podcast which I don't know why we waited till the end for, is how do you biblically instruct your children, right? So I think this is really important. A lot of it, I think most importantly, how you act, your, children's are going, your children are going to mimic and respond to. And I think that's kind of a, the, one of the most important points. But biblically instructing your children, I think, is really important and can be lost. And people think that it's not age appropriate. We've talked a lot about age appropriateness throughout the podcast. So Talk about that. Talk about what the age appropriateness is of biblical instruction, what that should look like, when you should start, and how you do it. So there's never a there's never a point where we should start modeling Christian behavior before our kids. Like you just always, always should be from yeah. from infancy all the way up, and and that is probably the most important thing. And we met, we've mentioned it throughout this podcast, but that doesn't mean perfection. Once again, it means confession when mm-hmm. when we get it wrong, when we fail, when we sin. Um, our culture just keeps telling us to project a false image, yeah. whether it's through media, social media, or our dialogue or whatever. And so we don't want to do that in our church. And we certainly don't want to do that with our kids. Like we want to be honest with them and real. And so um, I honestly, the four things I wrote down, we've discussed in this podcast. So I'll just touch them and then you guys can take it away. But mm-hmm. modeling Christian behavior before them, be careful what you watch. Yeah. Be careful how you speak around your kids. Like they're going to mimic that. They're mm-hmm. that's they're going to learn that. Um, number two, regularly read and converse about the Bible and biblical themes with them. So it doesn't have to be all once in biblical literature, but distress biblical themes with them and whatever you're reading. Um, be proactive in looking for natural ways to instruct with a Christ-centered worldview. So if we're taking a walk out in the park, talking through how God is the creator, how he has fashioned all this, how he's given us this to enjoy, um, how he loves us. And then number four was, which Tim mentioned, praying regularly with and for your children. You know, those those are things, when, when I talk about wanting to instruct and shape my kids, those are just four disciplines that I should be putting in practice reminding myself of routinely that I think will have a colossal impact for the good upon my kids. Yeah. As a pastor, I don't want my kids to grow up thinking Jesus and the church took my dad away from me. Yeah. I I don't want them to grow up thinking that because I I know and have read and have been in circles with so many pastors, kids, and I'm a pastor's kid myself. You're, you're a pastor. So you, you know, and we haven't gotten into this and we don't have time to get into this. This is another podcast for another day, but we know what the 70s, 80s, and 90s mm-hmm. ministry kids went through. Yeah. It, we, we know the, the pitfalls of extreme fundamentalism. So now we're on the opposite side and you and I are having to navigate this because I'm assuming we're, we're alike here. We, we, we know what it's like to be under an extreme fundamentalist roof. Yeah. So you and I are almost swinging the opposite way and we have to be careful we don't swing too far because there are some principles. There's no too far. <laughs> kidding. There's some principles we have to apply. When it, but when it comes to modeling, there are some things that some fundamentalists in my life did really well. Yeah. Some of the greatest memories I have of my dad are, are waking up, coming downstairs and singing with his Bible open. Yeah. So my kids every single day, that's what I want them to see daddy doing first. 
that's what I'm doing. So I, I, I'm not perfect. I, I, I miss a day or two mm-hmm. here and there and it happens. But I want my kids when they come downstairs to see daddy's reading his yeah. Bible. Like you talk about modeling and it's something we need to be proactive about, but not just every now and then. Like it has to be a daily habitual. This yeah. is what, and this is also what mommy and daddies do together. We, we yeah. do spend time together. We do hug and we do kiss and all, and all of those things. And then when it comes to scripture, how can we help our children fall in love with the Bible? Yeah. And we live in a great day because there are some tools that, that are out there, right? The Jesus Storybook Bible, the Bible app for kids. My, my four-year-old just got the Bible app for kids and she's working her way through every major story of the Bible, earning rewards and points as she works her way yeah. through it and asking biblical questions yep. as a four-year-old. Yeah. So we've talked about age-appropriate ways to discipline. There's also age-appropriate ways to introduce the word of sure. God to them. Uh, we have so much at our fingertips. I know there's a lot of danger in technology, but we can also use it. So I would say do some research. We obviously don't have time to give you every resource available, but there are tools at our fingertips that we should be taking advantage of. Yeah. So I was going to say, I don't think there is a time to start too early because even, and this may sound weird for some people, but even when Eden was in the womb, we would like play particular songs Mm -hmm. and music um, and stuff for her. And since she's grown up, we've tried to have a sense of saturation for her in God's word, whether it's through music and, and we have like little videos of her even at two years old, like raising her hands and singing the songs. With, and she would watch her mom do that. She would watch Bree do that. And so that's been big for us of never saying it's too early, but in any ways that we can, whether it's in small increments. And one of my favorite tools is it's a New City Catechism. And so they have yeah, a kid's good. version. Absolutely. And what's so fun is uh, what Meaning would do is we'll do like once a week where we'll have the song. So they have like a little, mm-hmm. it's very cheesy, but it clicked for her. And so yeah. especially um, the particular one about God being a creator, and so she would start asking me questions about stuff like, Daddy, did God create this? And did he create this? And and so it got her curious into just all the stuff that's around her just by simply understanding that God's the creator. And so I think doing things like that and utilizing those tools, and I think this is a big thing for us as parents of having that long view in mind of knowing, all right, there's certain things that we're going to be putting into practice and doing that you may not see immediate fruit, but by God's grace over time, these principles that we're establishing will bear fruit in time. And so just having that patience with them to be able to have the long view instead of, all right, I need to always just correct immediate and think of the only problems right now, but having this long thought process in mind. I like thinking about it as there are specific times for biblical instruction and then general times for biblical instruction. So you guys have talked a lot about the specific ones where we'll do Bible trivia mm-hmm. or memorizing sure. books of the Bible and seeing how many they can name. We'll read the Bible. We'll talk about their memory verses that they have at school. We'll practice them. We'll tell Bible stories. We'll do the the Bible app. I think those are awesome, like specific yep. biblical instruction. But then I also think something Aaron mentioned earlier in movies, but also just kids ask a million questions. Mm-hmm. Every question can have a biblical reference to it. So they can start to understand that the Bible has everything in it that we need for what's important, right? And, you know, why things are made this way or how this happens or who this is or what this is can all have biblical references and instruction in them just generally in life. And I think that's the important thing just as how we act is what's important in our life. What do we look at? What filter do we look at as adults? How we make our decisions, how we are as a family, how we work, um, you know, what we do, how we do it. I think if it's implementing Christ and living for Christ first in our life and everything that we do, they'll notice that versus living for our jobs or money or whatever. And you guys are more specific, but for me and probably most of the people listening, 
your job is a, a lot takes a lot of time and is not necessarily ministry or biblical like yours yeah. is, you know? So, but I think it's important to explain to them why we go to work, what we do at work and how every job that can have a biblical angle to it, you know? Yeah. Like you're helping people do something. God put you in a position to help people that don't understand how to deal with the process. So now I get to help them. I can be a blessing to them. Yeah. That's what's awesome about it. You know, and I think that that's really important to have those conversations and with your employees and people at work and how you can you know, sometimes have rough days and understand that that's not, and that can be a real eye opener for you at a, what, what do you call it? Non-biblical job? What do you call it? Non, Non-pastoral job? Unfortunately, or, people refer to it as secular. Secular, but. sure. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with it being, especially in my role, it's about as secular as it gets. And so being in a secular job, I think it's important too, and how we do that and how we explain it to our kids can be biblical instruction. Like how we go throughout life, generally you can use yeah. all facets of biblical instruction. Um, and, I, and I like the idea of movies too and shows and books mm-hmm. and all that, whether it's secular or not. Sure. Um, but there are a lot of parents that have felt like they're failing up throughout the process or are currently failing or are scared because their wife's pregnant or whatever it may be. They're about to have kids or will one day have kids. What advice would you give to them? How would you comfort them as far as, you know, if you are failing, what you can do to change or you're probably not actually failing or ruining your kids? What kind of instruction or advice would you have for them? Two things, and I got this from from John Piper, who he's got a really a couple of really good blogs that he's done. Both are straight from Scripture. Uh, number one, my God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That includes parenting needs as well as others. Philippians four nine. Number two, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all parenting sufficiency in all things related to parenting, at all times in your parenting, you may abound in every parenting good deed. Sort of a play on 2 Corinthians 9, 8 there. In other words, if your identity is truly found in Christ and you are filled with the Spirit, he's, he's giving you the tools that you need to succeed as a parent. And like you've already said, Aaron, we could do everything and set our yeah. kids up in every single way. What we do is ultimately not what's going to save them. That's going to have to be the work of the Holy Spirit yeah. on their heart. Yeah. Speaking of Scripture... um, one of my favorite passages is from 1 Corinthians 4. So I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. It says, This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And in verse 2 is the part that's really important right here is, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. And so when I think of parenting, it is primarily about the faithfulness of it. Even using that example of Piper, and so a lot of people probably know a lot of stuff that's going on with his oldest son. Hmm. But as he would be judged, it'd be, was Piper faithful in his parenting uh, may go about instead of, you know, kids, sometimes they're going to go in a completely different direction. They'll reject the Lord. All kinds of things can happen. But for us as parents of that faithfulness unto the Lord, first and foremost, and then unto our kids and our parenting, because, and using another famous um, pastor, there's a Matt Chandler sermon where he talks about just manhood, but in particular about marriage. And he says something about with men and leading their wives and why a lot of it's failing. And he goes along the lines of, you can't expect, you know, to feed your wife and lead her if you're hungry and starving yourself. Right. And so if you're not growing the Lord, you're not pursuing the Lord, then why would you think at the same exact time you're going to lead your family well in the Lord? Yeah. And so it starts with us first and foremost of, do I actually seek the Lord? Do I have a relationship with him? Do I know him? Whether it's, you know, working in ministry or not, we all are called towards that same thing. And so first that faithfulness to the Lord and then faithful to the things he's given us and our kids and our family um, and all of the things that he's given us to be faithful in. It's important to remember that training up a child in the way he should go 
and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Is a principle. It's not a promise of scripture. Yep. Like it's, it, you know, there's there's no guarantee. That's that's proverbial principle that's there. Mm-hmm. And so there is a, if you want to, for lack of a better word, if there's a better opportunity or better chance that they're going to walk after the Lord if we train them up that way, higher likelihood. Um, but we need to keep that in mind. Um, look, for the parent who's struggling, who's wondering, I would say, you know, we self-examine according to scripture and we repent if it's needed. The Puritans were about daily repentance. Like it's mm-hmm. not a dirty word. It's a, it's a good thing for us. Like yep. we repent. If we've been failing our children, if we haven't been following biblical principles, we repent Repentance of that. doesn't change the fact that you've already sinned. Like it's yeah, already yeah. happened. So, <laughs> you know, you, exactly. you repent to that. And maybe you have, maybe you're listening and you have grown children who have gone astray and you're just like, man, maybe you already have, but we repent of that. We don't hold that against our conscience forever. We don't beat ourselves up with that. Um, if if you have an opportunity, whether your children are adults or teenagers or, or little kids, then you refocus and you you kind of discipline yourself to godliness. It is required of a steward. We remind ourselves of this as pastors, that a man be found faithful, not fruitful. And mm. God will take care of the fruit, like in our church. Like he'll take care of the fruit in our church. Like, you know, not every pastor should have this booming, successful in the eyes of the world ministry. Like we're called to be faithful before Can't the Lord. Can't all be you, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely. Thank God for that. <laughs> you don't want to be me. Uh, no one does. But 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 it's required that we're faithful before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's not about. You know, we've talked about this. It's not about how many baptisms necessarily you have or how many converts or how many people you have plugged in the home groups or how diverse even your church is. It's not about all those things. Like God will take care of the fruit if we are faithful before him. And the same applies to parenting. Like let's be faithful with our children and trust God, pray, trust the Lord to take care of them and to to raise them through his good providence and our faithful instruction of them. Yeah. I think that's all we have for today. Uh, Shawnee. Boogie, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Good always, to be back. always awesome, good man. Good to be back. Always. And Timmy, awesome having you for season two, man. Great to be here. Four episodes for season two, man. This has been amazing. How's that possible? I don't know, man. Are you it's just crazy. out of friends now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Uh, anyway, until next time. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.